do you see a parallel between what swatches thread and Kaepernick at all? Knees. Yeah, okay, so that's, I, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about it now. I think that's really interesting because when I go to a lot of protests, they take a knee. And I'm mm. always wondering what is the context of this, especially lately, because that's how George Floyd died. And so it's really interesting to see like white people taking a knee because mm. it's like, well, a white person was like taking a knee on George Floyd and that's how he died. And so I think the knee is, taking a knee is interesting in that Kaepernick is doing it as a form of like disavowing, I guess, America. But then here it's it's like seen as a tool of like subjugation. What do you think about it? Um, well, I read a post about, I'm not sure what I think so far, but, um, I read a post um, that stated that I will never follow my knees for, you know, protest the NFL. Um, but when you're on your knees, you can't, you can't really do anything. Um, you can't move. I mean, there's this. There's Bibi. I mean, Ash. All this stuff has been recorded, right? Yeah, so the first one was recorded, and then the second one, I can't save that recording until the finish this first one is converted but it's all in my zoom account so once you set it to record you can just convert it later on okay i um when they're done can you retransfer me those please sure. okay awesome sorry to interrupt you guy i just because i i can't record i thought i was recording but i guess i'm not <laughs> oh i can give you those privileges or whatever i don't know why i didn't do that in the no, first place. yeah but yeah can, can you continue recording and i'll just be back up recording yeah sure but then um, I think it just goes to show the true, uh, how would I say that? Position, positionality of Black people in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's almost like this idea that, you guys, I'm in a meeting. Can you not be so loud? Yeah, yeah. Tell Z, like, tell Z to hold it down for me, please, Z. Z. Swaz said, hold it down. Please. <laughs> you know how to you know how to manipulate kids to get to get one to <laughs> feel <It's> empowered. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so interesting because like when you're on your knees, you can't move. Like you can't, but you can flail, and you can like unintentionally like you know, but like you you can never leave your position. So. I think that is really, really interesting. You guys look. You can't. You also can't harm. Like you can't harm. Um. So. Uh, I, I don't want to just. I don't want to just um interrupt you guys. We'll, we'll say anything more. I'm good. Okay, I just hopped in in the middle. Um, I want to further bring light to the whole, to the reality of, um, um, Christianity being, like, totally destructive and violent, and we can find that on, um, page 53, 
Um, and I will read from, um, what should I start off? Okay. And 13, in 1378, the Pope sent inquisitors into wild Indonesian valleys of northern Italy. Inquisitor Borelli had 150 citizens, including women and children, burned alive in Grenoble in the same region. <clears throat> in the same region, 1,400 citizens were chased from their homes in the dead of night by inquisitors on Christmas Eve the following morning, strewn across the snow-packed hills, more than 50 children were found frozen to death in their mother's arms. Maybe that's why it's always so cold, um, Christmas Eve. Ghosts of dead children and spirits looming about. Maybe that's why. I just, you know, just, you know, you can't, I, I can't. The only way I can contextualize this to modern um to modern society is that I don't know, we still have people like, you know, you know, praising God and then going over to different country, you know, dropping drone bombs over there, drone strikes over there under the name of God, you know, liberty just for all. So is um I just don't know how beneficial this this system, or at least um, this particular aspect of the system being religion, Christianity, has been to the benefit of humanity. I don't know if we're. I don't know who's how many. <laughs> I don't know how many of us are comfortable with, you know, the massive violence and death and destruction going around. But I personally don't think that's how humanity should be behaving. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is hard to separate, like, the historicity of Christianity without talking about the murder, the torture, the sacrificing. Um, but myself, I do identify with having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I would ask, um, what does that like that mean in like the context of um, white supremacy? Like, what does that mean to have a relationship with this this figure? You know, like, and and how is that like constructive to hopefully the the collective journey of like ending white supremacy, eliminating white supremacy? That's what. For me, it goes back to self-empowerment. As, as it goes, um, Jesus Christ was, um, they pinned his hands and feet to a cross on the Calvary, and he left the Holy Spirit. Um, and it sounds all woo-woo, but ultimately, um, the Holy Spirit lives within those who believe, mm -hmm. those who identify as Christians. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, once we forget that, it and begin to worship idols, for example, and we have an agenda, uh, that's when the violence and the murdering starts. Um, actually, I haven't put much thought to that, so I'm going to go back and maybe next Zoom call, I can have a more um, thought-out yeah. answer for you. 
Yeah, I, I would I would love that. Well, I think everyone should really like think about like what is their relationship to every religion, oh, wow. not just Christianity. Yeah. But um, yeah. Mm. Um. Um. I think it's um excellent, excellent part of the book. Um, of the Equiano narrative where. I didn't um I didn't highlight this part for some reason, but I just remember it. Highlight it now. Um, so so this is a context. Um, this is when Equiano is trying to convert or colonize a Native American young boy, and it reads um. The Mosquito Youth ultimately rejects Equiano's advances with the support of his clansmen who tease him and inquire if the Black missionary has converted him to Christianity. The youth see through Equiano, through the hypocrisy and irony of the moment. How comes it, inquires the youth, that all white men on board who can read and write and observe the sun know all the, all things yet swear lie and get drunk only accepting yourself his question insufficiently answered the youth stays to himself for the duration of his journey back to his homeland and equiano never sees him or speaks of him again in a narrative following his return so now i'm not reading it for the second time a new thought enters my mind. This is just what, like, I feel like this is what happens when, like, when people question the hypocrisy of whatever um, rhetoric they're trying to um, spread. If they can't, if they, if there's like, if there's nothing they can do about it, if there's no way to convince the person on their rhetoric, this is how they deal with it. They just don't deal with it. They just <laughs> don't mention it. Never happened. I'm just gonna keep spreading the rhetoric to the people who I eventually can, you know, do it to. And I think that's like really like really crazy. It's really. I also think it's interesting that the the um, kid was like you have to be exceptional and actually have to be like this pious person oh, but the wow. people who are like the ones who are the arbiters of this religion or this ideology that have converted you they're drunk they're violent they're all these things and yet you're coming as a black missionary in in this like somewhat like perfection you know and it's always this idea of like even though like and i hear this like it's like i can't i don't know how to put it into words well but i feel like black people always are striving to be perfect to like fit into like a lot of these ideas of like the protestant work ethic and all this stuff and yet like they never like expect that of white people and if anything, they're harsher on their own kind. Oh, and yeah. they don't like fulfill that ideal idea. 
So I think it's really interesting that the kid called him out and was like, why are you like this perfect specimen of Christianity? And yet the people who are like, also, yeah, are like, you know, drunk here and doing this. And I think that's, that's, yeah, it's, it's very much how our society is, I think. A lot of people who, a lot of, I, I mean, I, I read a study about that, about how black people view Christianity versus white people mm. and like what they take from the story of Jesus and all these things. And a lot of times black people almost take it as a sort of humbling story and a story about like, um, almost like having to take from others because you, I, I can't explain it. But like in turn, like black people take it as a humbling story that is more about, um, I don't know, I'm not explaining it all. But white white people see it more of a story of like that that fits into their narrative of power and specialness, uh-huh. and black people see it more as like something that brings you back down like that makes you feel like you're not special you are among all of us if that makes sense and so i think that's really interesting because he's actually like interpreting christianity in in that way and the white people are interpreting it in a way of like pillaging in a sense Mm -hmm. or giving them an excuse to pillage Mm -hmm. so yeah it, it exactly and i um I hate that I, I just um, had something slip my um, mind, but um, I think it's also very interesting that Equiano's narrative was only taken serious by like the British status quo because he had assimilated to the highest stature of whiteness, Anglo-Saxon, Europeans, um, stature or whatever, because um, people were, were, were talking about this since slavery, since it, ha- it had started, but it was always dismissed because um, religion uh, or the religion that was used during this period of time, like after like, like before anything else, it gave white people like this idea that they were entering like this like uncivilized land and it's their duty to dominate and enlighten these people. And I think that's um, a lot of that shows through like slavery and how it was like, you know, and how it manifested. Brings up this idea for me is white versus black. How do you see yourself in the story of Jesus Christ and the salvation? Are you the protagonist? Are you the one that's the hero? Jesus Christ being um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Uh, when you're on a cross, crucified? Are you the one being crucified? Are you doing that act for humankind, or are you identifying with the black uh, epistemology? if I can use that word, if that fits here. Are you the one who is, who is receiving that salvation? So it brings up what Ash says around um, 
humility, how black people see that as a grounding experience, um, whereas whites see it as an invitation of pillage. I mean, I think your mic is acting up a little bit. I think oh, you're, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's like, that's what the study was saying that um, black people see themselves as the people who betrayed Jesus. So then they feel guilt and are looking for salvation through Christianity. And white people see themselves as Jesus, as Jesus, or the or the person that was like um, sacrificed as like this ultimate victim. Wow. And they like have this victim mentality that persists through generations. And that is profound. I have never had that like, like that, I've never had that correlation, nor have I seen that 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 correlation. Like to me, like you know, I I, I don't practice like um like affirmation affirmation religion. So I would I had just imagined that like it makes more sense for like. The black people who practice Christianity to see themselves as Jesus Christ because he was persecuted and he was persecuted because he was different. So I guess that's why I like had accepted, you know, the black people feel like Jesus makes sense. This is why, you know, under what so much means, I have to validate in whatever way I can. And that's how I would validate people practicing said religion. But, um, yeah, that, that that's crazy. That's uh, that's bizarre that they see themselves as like potentially the people who like crucified God and tortured God and brutalized God when literally in like actual reality they've been the ones been crucified on an almost day to day basis. So it's uh, it's just really like. Um, this is really uh, unfortunate that this is a reality and this is the kind of warped, confused thinking and like that these that white supremacy racism can't produce and yeah, I don't want to beat around the bush. I cannot beat around the bush. Well, yeah, I think, um, I mean, it it makes sense when you think about the conditioning right if you if white people have told you like your existence is like yeah. sin personified yeah then you see that as like your salvation or you're you're being able to become like you know worthy in a sense um and i think you hear it a lot because i think a lot of black people are more likely to be like you know we're all sinners yeah. And we have to find our salvation through Jesus Christ versus like white people. It's very rare to hear them say that type of thing. They they definitely see themselves as already being saved, as already being worthy, like and that they they don't need to be humbled, right? Like they're the ultimate victims in their minds. Like And I, I think we have to we like I need to personally remember that um for a long time, like um, like the like black people's skin tone, the actual color of their skin, was attributed to like the original original sin. You know, they, they were like you know like the darkies were like the demons. You know, the demons are always like you know black, dark figures, dark shadows. Those whenever we see like 
any kind of like racial language is being used to depict like black people are using different demons, our demons are usually black. So we have to remember that, you know, in early Christianity, like and during the conditioning of black people, like they were usually like taught and conditioned to look to their own skin tone as the source of why they should be treated and subjected to this, you know, violence and under this religion, under this system. Damn. Damn, damn, damn. Um, oh, I um, I have to share this. I have not highlighted, but uh, one of America's favorite writers for some reason, even though he's an Englishman, Charles Dickens. Um, let me share this quote with us, hopefully you guys um, can have some thoughts about it, maybe, let's see. All right, so this is Charles Dickens, I believe he wrote um, Moby Dick. Mm -hmm. Okay, none said it better than the English gentleman Charles Dickens when he referred to the African savage as something highly desirable to be civilized off the face of the earth. Africans were brought to Europe and locked behind museum cages and bars. Europeans displayed their genitalia and scientists studied their harvested body parts. So, back to what I said earlier, how, um, like, upon, like, upon, like, contact, white people just saw, like, black people in Africa as just a place to be dominated and a place to be, well, genocided now. This is genocide right here. I think he, what, he, what he's describing is, is genocide sense. Yeah. And um, the, and I should just add this. Even when the English accepted Africans into society, it was under a mandate of racial cleansing. Yeah, very genocidal language right here. Very genocidal language. So, yeah. Um, does did anyone highlight anything about the soul, or did anyone have any like takeaways from this? Um, when when in, they're talking about the soul. Yeah, I, I did. I mean, personally, I've always felt that I've had a soul. What about y'all? So, like, when things come up like this, it's like I have to almost step outside of myself in order to understand. And um, there's a quote on page 49 um, about, like, Europeans not able to reconcile how Africans are soul bearers. It says, if we accept the conclusions 
of European as soul and body harvesters, then we have to wonder how Europeans might have used, commodified, and ingested the very African souls that they cons consistently claim did not exist. Uh, so there's like a hiding of the hands here. Um, mm. And um, the yeah, power. I, I, I yeah. just. Wait, let Evan finish. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt you at all. It's like a hiding of the hand. And what I mean by that is, uh, do you have a soul today? It, do you have a soul tomorrow? It's, it's all up in the air and telling of who writes the narratives. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, this was a, this is not what I was going to say, but a, like a lot of like the debate, and like in the slave era was like a bunch of like white people debating if, if black people even had souls, you know? So let's not forget that. And um, Ash, do you have anything to add, Ash? I think it's interesting because it's like this dichotomy. On one side, it's like white people are wondering if we are like these savage beasts that don't have a soul. But on the other instance, white people take so much from our culture because they think that it's the purest type of soul, right? Like our soul music and like soul food and things like that. So it's almost like it's it's that type of like gaslighting that people, the dominant like group always does where it's like in one instance, it's like you're not worth anything. But in another instance, it's like you're so worthy that I'm taking from you, right? And it's like, so I think that's really interesting because I, I, I thought that line really resonated because it still happens now when you think about the idea of taking Black people's culture and white people are the ones who are trading it, right? The ones who are profiting off of it, the ones who are the sole traders to this day whether it be like human trafficking or whether it be like the things that especially like black Americans produce um, and the culture that they, they have. So I thought that was really interesting. The idea of like white people being soul harvesters on many levels, like many levels. Yeah. And it just really echoes like the entire hypocrisy of like like where's the logic like where's the logic in treating a person so cruel and pretending to be so benevolent like it's just not it's just insanity to me it's it's insanity to me and that's the only way i can describe it so i don't go crazy thinking about it <laughs> i would um but it's so much more than that though that that, that, that minimizes it and i think it's really like interesting how like various parts of like the continent of Africa like Sierra Leone like Gamb Gambia maybe that maybe it's you said person. it right yeah um like these they already um when the Europeans have first contacted them and they were still like learning their intention they, they, they were already calling them cannibals like they already had like thought like this this is really suspicious like um you, you you want to do what now you want to buy us you know that's bizarre uh we don't want to do none of that yeah um, so a lot of people like at the beginning of the slave era was like were like kidnapped 
and then once like the white people grew their power, they were able to like, you know, force their way into other places in the continent and really get the slave trade going, which created really sick stuff. You know. You know, it, w- it was sick in the beginning, but what created the sick stuff on a global scale, you know, spread it everywhere. Where the disease like became more of a living organism that is self-sustaining through hate and violence and suffocating other people. Um, so I think it's really awesome that like the collective like consciousness of like Africans at that time were were understanding that they were being like consumed in the literal sense and the the metaphorical sense of like through their labor, through like the knowledge that they were sharing with the Europeans, and of course through um, being raped, you know, being forced to be like zoos. And living like things to be experimented on, you know, subjects, subjects of the worst sort of treatment. Oh, I want to um, talk about, I hope I highlighted it. And uh, oh, human vampirism is another like way he describes um, he, he describes slavery. Um, actually, I, oh, human vampirism. It's on page 48. Um, Equiano um, says, the state of pleasure that Equiano describes connotes horror, abjection, and human vampirism. In this context of social death and energetic exchange, Pleasure operates as one an organic using an, an organic unit, a life sustaining energy readily bartered and exchanged during slavery into a process of imbibing spirit and soul force, soul force, which is just a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Um, what do you guys think about that? Um, um, yeah, that's super interesting because I, mm-hmm. I was um, reading reading that Afro pessimism book. I mean, the book they they talk about how, like, what humanity is as we see it literally comes from the idea of like black people not being human. And so, like, other groups gain their humanity by being not, like, by not being the slave. And so I think that that was, like, I think that's, that, like, that idea of vampirism is, like, um, taking the life out of Black people to sustain your own, which is like what America is, right? Like it took free labor from black people to make this like huge empire. Mm-hmm. It's like the ultimate like vampire, vampirism. Yeah, like took away like our life force or our humanity, you know, yeah, interchangeable. 
to you know definitely built on blood, you know. Um oh um I just I just wanna well I just have so much stuff highlighted that you know I'm just gonna continue sharing um until we run out of time. We have ten minutes left. I think this is like the last, the last part. <laughs> yeah. For oh me. yeah, yeah, like like yeah. Um yeah. I I think this is like I'm just gonna read it. Not only do we consume you, the captain of the British Royal Navy conveys, but we also make you consume each other. So I'm just like, that's a lot of people will call this person a cold piece of work, but. I would call this very like diabolical. This is, this is yes. diabolical and and just just to, to say it with, with such like I don't know, just, it just like I know that this person's not saying it to me like face right now, but it just seems so like it is so callous and so um just cold and calculating. Yeah, it's like and the systems are in place, so it's not lying, you know. It's, yeah, and it's still in place, right? Like, mm-hmm. we consume yeah, each institution, other. Present institution, and yeah, we consume each other. Yeah. Um, what do you yeah. think, Ebony? Um, well, that part, I, have to under- I had to underline that twice. Um, couldn't help but to think, uh, wow, could you imagine working in the fields with someone and then having them for dinner the next day? Wow. There's like this, um, I wonder, like after a long period of time, there's like a, not a rumor, but a misconception once you flesh, you have a taste for human flesh. So is there a certain amount of that? Um, but I thought of consumption, not only with cannibalism here, but uh, just what happens in a capitalistic society. Um, what happens when a worker, you know, works 40 hours a week, but still can't, you know, afford all the needs that they have for their for their family, you know, et cetera. Um, I thought of consumption on that level. Just in terms of uh, current parallel. Yeah. I think of that the same way too. I think about that in the context too of like we in Western society consuming like um, the global south too in terms of like resources and things like that. So it's like so many layers. So when they say like it's almost like it's set up for us to consume each other. And it's like, so I think about that a lot, like how how do we separate from that? Yeah, like- Because it's ingrained. Wow, the mentality, yeah, would you, wow. You just, well you just said it so profound. They're still making us consume each other. I didn't realize they're still making us do it. Yeah, we do it to the same. Um, I think 
for like the remainder of our time, we should all like just talk about our biggest takeaways from the introduction and from chapter one. And we should talk about our what? Our biggest takeaways from our biggest takeaways from the introduction in chapter one. Um, I'll go first. I think, well, well, I actually have a lot, but I, I really am enjoying this book and I'm actually really enjoying being able to like talk about it you guys too because it really helps process all of it. Some, something for me that is a big takeaway is one, like how do these things persist to this day? But also like the whole idea of Aquino and the, the people in his life, I really wonder like what is the white mind in terms of like is it like so much more strategic than us is it like so much more inclined to power than us is it a philosophy like what causes this because when you talk about how like the people in Gambia and Sierra Leone they had this idea or this feeling this energy right because like energy like people pick up on energy and that's a big thing and they have that energy of like these people are cannibals because it's not like people in Africa hadn't been trading with the Arab with like the Spanish or with like even the Chinese so it's not like they hadn't had other people who looked differently from them in those places so what like what is it about the white philosophy or the white existence that predicates itself to like be this overseer of power and is it is it a strategy is um, it like what so that's like what i'm taking away from it and what i'm trying to understand when i'm reading it um, yeah i think um I, I love that like that you're inching on that that you want that knowledge that you want that understanding because i feel like once we um start reading newly fuller we're gonna understand like how white, white supremacists operate much, 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 much more on like and how they think because it's like you're asking the right questions. Like, you know, and if you want to like just play the logic game, yes, the white supremacists are smarter than us because no one has created such a system ever that has been so successful to this day. So it is fair to say, yes, they are smarter and they are maintaining and refining the system in a way that it needs, you know, in a way that it's still, like running smooth. So, very like, I love that you said that. Um, my biggest takeaway is I just, I'm, uh, it's opening, it's the whole parasitic relationship between like um, white people and black people to this day, it, it still manifests. And uh, I love that it's like this book is allowing me to contextualize this behavior because I don't believe that any behavior can change without the direct awareness and attitude to want that change. So I don't believe this behavior has, has changed in many areas of the world and areas of our daily activity. So, and the whole Christianity thing, I love that it's exposing me to like more reasons to um, be hesitant to like follow like that doctrine. Um, we have one, one minute, so we're gonna stop. Um, <laughs> but I say we, we could do a little bit of call again for everyone to get her final thoughts. Okay, well, I can try to get it out too. Um, no, what's Steve, with, you can't hear you, Ash. 
I'm saying don't rush yourself. Like if if you go over it or whatever, we'll just set up another call. It's not a big deal. Okay. Um, but what stuck with me was the last four lines of the introduction, where um, his his friend he's discussing how Vincent wouldn't want the text to go down so easily, and he was right. And so I'm really happy that this group exists, and I'm hoping we can um, continue to parse out the intricacies of the text together. It's really helpful because after reading something like this, it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> okay. And I'm like at Criano right now. I'm understanding my usefulness, the social, social proximity to whiteness, but um, after self-empowerment, what kind of systems exist so that, you know, something else can happen in the course of history? Um, that's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yes. Um, I, I love the group. I love um, counting white supremacists. The club, we are on something here. We are doing something here. 